So the passage that we have come to this morning is found in Matthew 12, 15 through 21. Leading up to the passage, we discuss that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, that he desires um, mercy and not sacrifice. He doesn't want just a bunch of rule followers. He wants people to follow him because they have changed hearts. He wants us to be merciful to others. Then he showed us with his actions what he meant by asking the Pharisees a question in verse 11. Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value, then, is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. And now we reach our passage in verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name Gentiles will trust. We have a, a wonderful Savior. In this passage, I want to give you a better picture of uh, Jesus and his character, and we'll look at a few points about what kind of a servant he was, what the prophet Isaiah spoke about. Um, but first, let's pray. Lord, we, we're so grateful for the time that we have this morning to um, talk about your word openly and freely about uh, just who you are and what kind of a servant you are uh, to us. Lord, we just pray that you would um, speak your word and um, help us to live different lives based on based on the word, um, to live for your glory. And these things we pray in your name. Amen. So we'll go ver uh, verse by verse. So there's a few points I want to make. I think there's 10 points, I think, I had. Um, yeah. About what kind of servant Jesus was. In verse 15 it says, But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there. Jesus was the all-knowing or omniscient servant. He knew their thoughts. Uh, he knew that they came, he came to the world to die and that eventually the Pharisees would plot to kill him. However, he knew that it wasn't in God's perfect timing for him to die yet, so he withdrew from there. He still had plenty of work to do and plenty of time left on earth. Um, Jesus even told his disciples um, that when they were persecuted, they should move along like he did. In Matthew 10, it says, When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Verse 15 continues and says, And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. So our second point is that Jesus is the compassionate and healing servant. It says that he healed all. It doesn't always say this when um, 
there's when he does healing miracles sometimes it says it heals a few or an individual but in this case it says that he healed them all he didn't refuse these people help even though it's possible that many of them were just there for what he could give them the miracles that he could offer and the um, the healing that he provided instead of the relationship he offered and the salvation he offered he still had compassion on them and healed them all. There are several other passages that speak of his compassionate healing and mercy towards the, the people. In Matthew 14 it says, He saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Mark 3 says he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. Matthew 20 says to uh, some blind men, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately they re their eyes received sight, and they followed him. These verses really show his character, that he is a compassionate and healing servant. He could have come to the world and done many other kinds of miracles. He could have um, made great earthquakes or, um, you know, parted the Red Sea again for people to see these things and miracles. But the miracles that he chose to do were miracles of healing people. And he did this because he cares for them. This is how he served them. He was moved with compassion for them and showed them how much of a, a compassionate servant he was. Um, verse 16 says that he warned them not to make him known. So the third point is that he is a wise servant. Jesus taught with authority and wisdom. He spoke in parables and revealed knowledge about future events, about heaven that were not known to people before. And he knew it was in a man's heart. He knew when to, to leave to avoid persecution. And he knew if people spread his fame around Israel too much, he would never get a message across of the gospel. He would only get people coming to him for miracles and for healing and for a show, and they wouldn't come to him for a relationship or for the gospel. Too much publicity would have taken away from his main message. So Jesus warns people that he heals to keep quiet about what he did. In many other places, Jesus warns people not to tell others about the miracles. Um, in Luke 5, he heals a man with leprosy. The man says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately the, lep the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went about um, concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew to, into the wilderness and prayed. This behavior is completely the opposite of what the Jews would have expected from a king. They would have expected the king to come triumphantly with an army in a parade announcing their arrival, wanting everybody to know their name and that they were there in town. But Jesus was a wise servant and he knew the father's timing and uh, plans for his life. And he knew that the Father had um, planned for him to come reign as king at a different time. He came during this time to, to be a servant to us.
so he is a wise servant. And if you're ever uh, faced with trials in your life and you don't know what to do, be encouraged that you can look to the Lord who is the wise servant and he will give you wisdom if you ask him. James 1 says that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 17 um, continues, and I'll just stop here to make a point. Um, it says, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, and then it continues with the prophecy, but, um, you know, Israel expected the Messiah to be a king. They wanted a king who would save them from the oppression of the Romans. Um, and we can see that in Isaiah, there's multiple places where the... Um, Messiah was prophesied to be a king, but Israel had uh, a different king in mind that they wanted. They were not hoping for this gentle ruler. Um, they wanted somebody who would free them from their current um, oppression. But the king that was prophesied would be a gentle ruler who would bring justice to the Gentiles. So we see this is a prophecy from Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. And um, I'll just read the whole thing real quick. It says, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name Gentiles will trust. So our uh, verse 18 says, Behold my servant whom I have chosen. Our fourth point is that he is the humble servant. It says, Behold, which really means take note, like pay attention, listen up. God the Father is speaking to us, and he's commending his son Jesus Christ as the chosen servant. The father is essentially saying, listen, my son Jesus, he is the great servant of God. I've chosen him to rule. The word, and the word servant really describes Jesus perfectly. It describes someone who is distinguished as obedient and faithful to God. And Jesus knew his rightful place as God, that he should rightfully reign as king when he came, and that people should respect him but he humbled himself and became a servant for us. Matthew 20, 28 says that just as the son of man uh, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And Jesus taught us by his example, what it meant to live as a servant. When he uh, washed the disciples feet, he then commanded us to serve each other in the same way. In John 13, it says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than him who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you who do them. We should also wash each other's feet. By serving them. A servant 
must be humble in order to please their master. We are his servants. We should act as humble servants. And we can be encouraged by Philippians 2, 5 through 11. It says, um, the example really set before us. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in an appearance as man, a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We should also, um, we should serve our master by serving his people and others in the world. And there's many um, practical ways that you could do it even now during the coronavirus. I mean, if there's anybody that you know that needs help, just, you know, need some grocery shopping or just need some prayer, just go out of your way to ask them and help them. Um, don't be uh, too proud to help them, but humble yourself and be a servant to them. Um, and in doing so, you'll be emulating your Lord and Savior, who also acted as a humble servant to those around him. Our fifth point is that Jesus was the chosen servant. Um, it, it says uh, in uh, Isaiah, Behold my servant whom I have chosen. And in 1 Peter 2.4, it says, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Jesus is the Father's chosen servant to do his work. He's precious in the sight of God, and hopefully you also think he's precious. What's really amazing to me is that God considers us to be precious to him um, as his servants. Psalm 139 says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Uh, verse 18 continues and says, My beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. So our sixth point is that Jesus was the beloved and well-pleasing servant to the Father. And we can see the connection when he's baptized by John and the Spirit of God descends on him from heaven. In Matthew 3, it says that when he was baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And why, why is he called beloved? And why is he called well pleasing? There are several passages that I'll... Um, just give you the highlights of they're from Ephesians and Isaiah um, but the father gives him this um, commendation because of uh, the things that he'll do and the things that he's done the beloved and well-pleasing servant will delight and glorify God he will de deal prudently he will be exalted and extolled and be very high 
He will see fruit from his labor of love. He will justify many. He will bear their iniquities. And he made us accepted before God. Now, how do you live your life in service to God? Do you make it your goal to serve him well and be well-pleasing to him? So that when you see God, um, he could say of you, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the of uh, your Lord. Verse 18 continues and says, I will put my spirit upon him. So we see that he is the spirit-filled servant. Jesus was given the spirit of the Lord. When he was baptized by John, the spirit descended on him like a dove. It was God the Father essentially saying, this is the one, the Messiah, my chosen one. This is my servant, my son, who will carry out my work that I sent him to do. And he will do it well. He is well-pleasing to me, so hear him. Isaiah says in chapter 11, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of, understand, of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And again Isaiah says in chapter 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has appointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And not only is he spirit-filled, but he is a faithful servant. Um, in verse 18, it continues and says that he will declare justice to the Gentiles. So our eighth point is that Jesus is a faithful He came to do the will of the Father, he was very faithful in preaching the gospel to both Israel and to the Gentiles. And he desires that everyone should hear the gospel and be saved. 1 Timothy 2 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Father, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God um, made Israel his chosen people. Uh, many thousands of years ago. And we can also see throughout many other passages in the Old and New Testament that God had plans to not only save Israel, but to save the Gentiles also. In Isaiah, it's prophesied that the faithful servant will carry out God's plan, uh, God's will, and declare justice or salvation to the Gentiles in addition to Israel. Uh, God showed mercy and justice to Israel for thousands of years. He was very patient with them and showed them the way of salvation. But most of Israel has rejected the gospel. So, because God desires that no one should perish, God revealed that he had special plans for the rest of the world too. And these plans were for the Gentiles to come to know him. That's us. Praise the Lord. Um, and this is Romans talks about the grace of God for the Gentiles, for us. In Romans 9, 25, it says, As he also says in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people, and her beloved who is not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, 
There they shall be called sons of the living God. And later in verse 30 it says, What shall we say then, that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness? Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So Jesus was the faithful servant, and because he faithfully finished the work on the cross, we also are given the opportunity to be saved and to know him. Praise the Lord. Um, verse 19 says that when he comes, he will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. It doesn't mean that he never shouted or got angry because there's clearly passages where he, um, you know, when he went into the temple and overthrew the money tables and got angry at Pharisees. Um, but it was a, a righteous anger. But the, the overall way that he deals with people is a gentle way. Um, he didn't come to the world um, the first time to reign as king. He came to be a servant to us. And he came to be a gentle servant, which is uh, our next point. Jesus is the gentle servant. Um, even though he could have rightfully come to reign as king, he chose to come humbly and gently to offer a message of peace and salvation by dying on the cross for our sins. And really, this was the greatest injustice that was ever, um, that ever occurred in the world, that the Son of God, who is righteous, should be put to death by crucifixion for us. However, when he comes back again, he will not come back with a message of peace, but he'll come back with a message of judgment for the world, for those who have rejected him as the king. Um, Israel expected a Messiah that would reign as a conquering king and make war with their enemies. They expected him to cry out on the streets and look for a parade and make political power his motive. But instead, Jesus came as a gentle servant, riding on a donkey and speaking peace to the nations. And Zechariah says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And then later it says, He shall speak peace to the nations. This is the gentle servant that the father sent out. The Pharisees, in contrast, were quarrelsome, even on the Sabbath, looking to kill somebody. Um, 2 Timothy 2 says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. We ourselves, as God's servants, should um, make it our goal to be gentle with others. We shouldn't be looking to start fights or arguments with others about things that really just don't matter. 
We should focus by gently offering them the gospel of peace and showing them the way of salvation. Be a gentle servant and serve the Lord well. Continuing the thought of him being a gentle servant, uh, we go into verse 20. It says, a bruised reed he will not break. Uh, a bruised reed is really an illustration of somebody who is weak um, and can be seen by the world as a nobody, a nothing. Um, I went on a hiking trip the last couple days and I camped next to a pond and there were reeds that I had to step on to get to the water and you know a little bit of wind and they're knocked over and you step on them and they're practically useless after you step on them but what Jesus is saying here is that um, he sees people who by the world standards are nobodies who are worthless um, a little bit of wind and they're shaken over and if you step on them they're practically useless um, back um, back then in the ministry that he had on earth and even now from heaven he deals gently with us because we really are like those bruised reeds we are weak we are essentially nobodies we make mistakes and we desperately need his grace first corinthians reminds us of our calling in first corinthians 1 26 through 27 it says for you see your calling brethren that not many wise according to the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but god has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and god has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty You know, we are like that bruised reed, and Jesus is gentle in the way that he handles us so that he does not break us. He builds us back up and strengthens us so that we can be useful for his glory. And be encouraged that if you feel like a bruised reed, Jesus won't break you. He'll be gentle towards you and show you compassion. And if you feel like you're hit with trial after trial and you just can't take it anymore, he'll bind you up. He'll gently lead you. He will give you rest, and he will revive you. Isaiah 40, verse 11 says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm, and gather them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. An example of this that we can clearly see where Jesus does this is with the uh, Apostle Peter. Jesus predicts to Peter that Peter will deny him three times. And Peter says, no way, that's not going to happen. Um, but in verse, uh, but in chapter Matthew uh, 26, when uh, the third time he does deny Jesus, it says, then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus, who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out. And wept bitterly. Peter was devastated by his choice to deny Jesus, so much that it broke his heart and he wept bitterly. Peter, we can see that he was like a broken reed, a bruised reed. But I love looking at the, the passage in John 21 where Jesus restores Peter. It shows when they have um, 
When he meets them and they're fishing by the sea, he calls them over to have breakfast with him. And Jesus asks him, Peter, uh, Simon Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So Jesus is so gentle with Peter and he restores him. And even in Matthew 16, Jesus mentions that he will use Peter to build his church. Jesus is so gentle with him. Peter is so much like a bruised reed shaken by the wind where even a little gust of wind will knock it over and he'll lose his hope. He'll lose his focus on God. But Jesus is so gentle in restoring him and building him back up. Um, and he's really saw the value in Peter. And, um, and because he saw the value, he, he wanted to build him back up. Psalm 147 says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Do you often feel like Peter, like a bruised reed, wondering if Jesus would ever even see anything of value in you? You should be encouraged that he is a gentle servant and he will not break you. He'll build you up, he'll strengthen you, and he'll gently lead you. Verse 20 continues and says, And smoking flax he will not quench. It's like a dimly lit candle. It's a flame that's going out, and it's just a little, the smoke is, the flame is already gone, really, and just the smoke is coming out of the candle or the lantern. It has nothing left to give. There's no oil or wax for it to, uh, to uh, continue burning. It needs a constant supply of fresh oil in order to keep burning brightly. It's like a person with just a little bit of faith. And even a gentle wind could blow out their light. You know, when some of you, I think all of you might know by now, but I just got a job at John Muir. Um, and during the process of it, I was praying for God's will for my life. Um, and I knew eventually that he would provide a job for me in his right timing. But... Um, I was so much like the smoking flax with just a little bit of faith. Um, I kept really worrying that, you know, would he provide for me? Would he give me a job that would um, be good for me? Like, what will my future look like? Um, but I put the little faith that I did have in him and I trusted him. And along the way, um, really, I mean, I got multiple calls and interviews and emails, all positive and confirming along the way. But every time after, like within a couple hours or the next day, 
I would think to myself and get anxious and doubt and worry and say, but will God really provide? Even, even though I had so much evidence looking like I was going to get this job, um, and even when they asked for references, and the references came in one after the other, um, and the last one came at the last minute um, before I needed it, the due, uh, due date of it. And I, every time I worried and got anxious, and I was like that dimly lit candle that was just a little bit of worry and anxiety would blow it out. Um, so every time I felt anxious, I prayed and I focused on memorizing His Word. And every time that I did that, it was like He poured new oil into my life and restored me. Because every time I did that, I got another email or phone call or um, recommendation letter that was completed. Just another indication that He wanted me to get the job and that He was providing for my life. Um, so I felt like that smoking flax that he won't quench. He um, really encouraged me in this time and because he uh, he helped me in that way, it helped me to shine brighter, you know. Some people need a constant supply of fresh oil and wax to keep shining bright. And Jesus is gentle in the way he deals with us too. Um, to keep us to keep our faith strong, to keep us um, shining for Him. Um, Psalm 94 really resonated with me. It says in verse 18 and 19, If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. Jesus sees that you could be like a bruised reed or a smoking flax, and he builds you up. He gently fans you into a brighter flame. He will not break you, and he will not extinguish you. He knows just what you need at just the right time. And if you only have a little bit of faith, he'll fan you into a flame where you're on fire for him. Praise the Lord that he is such a gentle servant to us. And he'll be this way, it says, until, um, verse 20, it says, till he sends forth justice to victory. Our last point is that Jesus is the victorious servant. There's really so much injustice in the world right now, and it's been like that since the world began. Um, since Adam and Eve, there's been injustice. It was followed by murder, and it's been a downhill, a downward spiral ever since. And now more than ever, we can see there is little justice in the world. It seems like the wicked get away with anything. Um, when will justice come to put an end to all the evil that we see in the world? We have courts and governments, and they have courts and governments above them, and uh, officials above them to keep them in line. But there's still injustice in the world. Even when justice is served, it's never, uh, it's it's rarely ever 100% served uh, the right way. There's usually somebody left to the curb, somebody taken advantage of, or somebody left out. There's many examples. Christians are persecuted for their faith and even killed. This is very unjust. 
Children have their lives taken from them in the womb. This is unjust. Women are taken advantage of and forced into sex slaves. This is unjust. People such as orphans and widows are going hungry and are forgotten about. This is unjust. When will this all be over? When will we see justice for the world? Psalm 37 talks about this. It says, The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The wicked have drawn their sword and bent the, their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. But it says, The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Jesus will not let the wicked go unpunished. Through the, uh, the greatest injustice ever committed, um, which was Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and satisfying God's wrath against us, he gave us victory over death and sin. And one day he's coming back to reign as king. And he will make his enemies his footstool, and he will break them with a rod of iron. And later, everyone will have to give an account before the Lord of the great white throne judgment. Justice is coming. We may not see it in our lifetime, but we will see it eventually. Jesus first came as a gentle servant. His second coming will be much different. He will come to reign as the rightful king. He will right every wrong. He will send forth justice to victory. He will be a victorious servant. And in his name, the Gentiles will trust. Romans 15, 8 speaks about the Gentiles coming to know Jesus and their, as their Savior. It says, Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. Behold, Jesus is the God it is the God, um, Jesus is God the Father's servant. He is the all-knowing, compassionate, wise, humble, chosen, beloved and well-pleasing, spirit-filled, faithful, gentle, and victorious servant of the Father. And he is the gentle servant that still preaches the gospel of peace through us. But one day he'll come again and bring justice and judgment and he'll reign as the rightful king. It seems like it can't come soon enough, and we will look forward to the day when justice will be served, and we'll, when we'll be with the Lord. 1 Peter 3, 8-9 encourages, uh, it's an encouragement to us, and it says, Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, 
but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We have a strong hope and trust in the Lord that he will bring this all to pass. Let's praise the Lord this morning. Lord, we are so grateful for the promise uh, spoken in Isaiah that you would come to be the, the humble servant chosen by God and that you gave us justice, that you uh, satisfied the wrath of God, taking our sins on the cross and uh, dying for us in our place, and that one day you'll come again to really bring justice once and for all, that you'll right every wrong. Lord, we, we look forward to that day that you'll come and reign as king. We just uh, look forward to your coming. In your name. Amen.